Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason, and I am committed to this podcast. <laughs> and I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And I'm Jenny. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And we're talking about commitment, following along with our spiritual principles, which I, I you know, I was thinking the other day, way ahead. I was like, oh, we're going to have to have something month by month next year. Maybe we'll do all the spiritual principles that we don't do this year or something. And I was like, we're going to get bored of me saying I don't believe in these. <laughs> like, that's just going to get old at some point. I have the same argument every month. Uh, so just to talk about some comments we got, we had a comment on our trust episode, uh, which was our last spiritual principle. And Caro said, show me that I can trust you and I will trust you. To some degree, I've been restored to clarity. Okay. Well, thank you. And then this one from Michelangelo, uh, probably not the painter or the turtle. <laughs> I went to an Al-Anon meeting in a church to explain what is addiction to confirm my theory that liars fool liars. Liars reject the truth. Victimism runs in families. Partners of addicts act out the role of martyr, believe the addict is a victim, and want others to believe the same. The tragedy of addiction is children who revenge a childhood hurt or trauma against their parents, learning from example, becoming victims of themselves so as to conceal the hatred to hurt others. Y'all still following? The attendees didn't even show any interest or reaction after saying that I am a recovering addict and I claim I can prove I have discovered the cure to addiction. It is convenient to not accept responsibility for the upbringing of your own children who revenge an unhappy, hurtful childhood, believing the absurdity that addiction is a disease of the brain. Even when the truth would save their children, parents of addicts persist lying. Parents of addicts believe and testify they are wonderful, loving carers as opposed to the stark reality that their own addicted children hate them because they were hurt by them, and silence the truth addiction is the psychology of a liar. Hate comes from hate, and psychology is transmitted from parents who are religious, nationalists, and socialists to children. I lost me. Wow. What's the cure? I was listening for the cure of addiction. Yeah. There. I didn't I, hear I, that part. It was a, a very interesting comment. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's judgy of me, but I, I tend to, uh, I don't know, like, think, what the hell, when people don't write complete full sentences that make sense to me. <laughs> I'm like, well, I discount your view already, but I, I try not to. Um, I'm just going to say thanks for Sharon. <laughs> thanks for Sharon. Sharon is pretty nice, isn't she? <laughs> um, I, I think I asked what the problem was or, or what the, the truth about addiction was. Or I, I don't know. I didn't get anything. How did it tie into socialism? I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but uh, it was an interesting comment, so thank you uh, for listening, Michelangelo. Maybe it was the turtle. 
typing that out. I don't know. <laughs> we do want more conversation, so. We do, know. but I, I just wasn't really sure what he was trying to get at or, I mean. Where do we begin? And the idea, look, it's cool to have some ideas, but to go into an Al-Anon meeting and tell them they're all liars and you know the truth about addiction is kind of a bold statement. I don't think yeah. anybody's going to be very receptive to. All right. You know, so I mean. It's delivery as much, even if you have great information, if you're not coming into a place and delivering it to, in a way people can hear it, it's kind of useless. Yeah, there's a bunch of other spiritual principles that go into giving all that information, like compassion and yeah. empathy and you know, right. love and kindness. <laughs> like, you, know, you know, and that's fascinating. That should be the basis of your approach. <laughs> you saying that uh, is fascinating to me because how many times in my life have I stood on this like self-righteous podium of, of something and not had those other spiritual principles in line and like wondered why people can't see how right I am. Like, right. duh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's why. Well, and I think that's what happens even within our fellowships with the judgments we place on people who, whatever, relapse or are on a maintenance program or doing different stuff. It's like it's okay to have, you know, opinions on that stuff, but they should be based in like love and empathy and, you know, compassion. Like we should start there, not mm. start with the criticism and judgment and pointing out why they're wrong right look how wrong and dumb you are check yeah. me out anyway so uh thank you for your comments they're always interesting if nothing else um, definitely so let's move into commitment which i fear is going to go the same place all these go for me at least um so the definition this i actually this was kind of mind-blowing for me to read the definition of commitment i i was fascinated by this so the first one not so much it said the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, activity, etc. I was like, okay, that's cool. State or quality of being dedicated to a cause. I don't know that I could tell someone how to practice to get better at that right off the top of my head, but it's interesting that that's a definition. But the second one blew my goddamn mind. Here's the second definition of commitment, people. An engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. And I said, oh, fuck, I don't want that ever. Like, why would I ever want to be a part of something that restricts my freedom of action? That's well, terrible. Think of like healthy eating or, I mean, if you make a commitment to a healthy diet, you're doing that, restricting your freedom of choice of foods. But I don't ever want to restrict my freedom of choice. I might want to shift my actions to a more loving choice for me, but I don't want to restrict my freedom of choice, which well, I think is how we look I at commitment. It's wordplay, isn't it? Like, I don't think so, so. If I know if I go to a buffet or a restaurant, I can eat whatever's there. You know what I mean? I have a choice of whatever's there. But if I'm like, oh, I am committed to not eating cake, I still have the freedom of choice, but it doesn't feel I, like it. Well, and that's where, uh, if, if nothing else, I can already tell you that this would be another virtue in my mind as opposed to, like, I feel like we look at spiritual principles as things you're supposed to do all the goddamn time, no matter what, without flaw. Like, you're supposed to be honest all the time. And maybe looking at them like virtues, kind of like the old Greeks did, and this middle path of a balance, right? I mean, total commitment is the captain going down with his ship. That's fucking stupid. 
like get in a lifeboat, bro. You don't need to be that committed, right? Like there's no reason for that. And, and I think we look at commitment in its success. We're like, well, that's when you're 100% committed and you never eat that cake. And I think that's terrible. I think you should have the freedom to eat that cake sometimes if you want. Like that's, it feels like prison if not. A spiritual principle should not be prison. Society like often says like, oh, commitment is a, like a cherished value like it, it like upholds your character if you are committed um but it's also funny that um when they say you should be committed that means to go to the loony bin yeah right <laughs> yeah you get committed to an institution <laughs> it doesn't feel very open-minded that's what i was thinking when we were brainstorming for this episode like being committed feels kind of stubborn and not very Stuck. open-minded that's that was the feeling yeah when I started thinking about this episode coming up. Well, and, and Billy took it to, to diet, which I guess is a little easier to, to hear. Like, okay, yeah. I still don't like the idea of, of that restriction. That sounds like a prison to me, right? That sounds like I no longer have a choice of doing what's best for me in the moment. It sounds like I'm base. Or, or what if it's more like surrender? Does that feel better instead of prison? It, it, surrender to commitment but i guess the idea of commitment doesn't leave me space to one change my mind or two do something different in a different situation with different context right maybe i don't want to eat cake after dinner every day of my life that's a pretty good commitment but commitment to me feels like all in solid 100 percent. and when i go to the birthday party i can't have a piece of cake either you know what I mean? Like different situations call for different things. Well, I think it depends on what you're committing to. Like it's almost like Jenny was talking about it in a different way. So when I commit to healthy living or a healthy diet, I'm not committing to necessarily never eating sugar again. I mean, maybe I do. Maybe that's what I commit to, you know. But if that's not what I'm committing to, then I can eat a piece of cake every now and again. It's like you know, the captain going down with the ship, like that is a probably in my opinion and maybe in yours, a poor thing to commit to. Whereas <laughs> to the captain, it's obviously not to him. That's uh -huh. an important thing that he committed to. But the concept of commitment isn't the problem there. The problem is what did you commit to or what are you committing to? Well, it came up for me when I read that, when I read that the definition was an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. Anything that restricts freedom of action, like, stops you from doing an action. So I'm going to jump a little bit ahead because this ties. I read something about uh, some benefits of commitment, and I was going to kind of throw that in towards the end, but it kind of ties in here okay. of why this might be good, why the idea of limited action might be good. Let me let me try to be open. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I thought of was marriage instantly. I was like, oh committed to a partnership obligation that restricts freedom of action. And what I thought of was like, we hold tightly to this idea of monogamy, so to speak, even though we'll say like, Billy, I would never tell you that it's healthy, that you should expect everything that's, that's good for you and healthy for you to come from your wife. Like you should probably have friendship relationships and relationships outside of that, where you get different aspects of things that are, you know, bring your life quality. You should never just count on your wife to give you everything. That would be ridiculous, right? I think we all kind of agree with that. But then we go into this idea of commitment and we're like, 
you know, if my wife is on a, a girl's trip in Vegas, uh, she definitely has an obligation to restrict what would bring a quality experience to her life. If that would include like sleeping with some other dude. Why? Right. Why would I ever want the person I love to miss out on something they feel would be a great experience for the short life they live? I think that has to do with your values. You well, know, what values you place on. I mean, I don't. I a think monogamous do relationship. Ego. and you know. <laughs> Well, maybe. Ego. But. But like where where's the loving piece of commitment in that you should be committed to me because you don't want to hurt my masculinity? Like, what's the commitment? Where's the love in that? The love would be do what you think in that moment is going to be what's good for your life because I love you and I don't want you to miss out on life. It would be the same as me saying, uh, no, wife, you should not go back to college or change careers. I don't want you to do that, even though that's what you feel is good for your, a good experience for your life. There's no difference there. It's me restricting someone else because of my own, the way I right, feel. Right, but there's a lot of different things that go into those decisions that are up to each individual situation. I guess. I don't, it just, I don't know. I, I couldn't, we talk about being in committed relationships and I could not put love into a committed relationship where it's going to restrict people's freedom of action. That just kind of blew my mind. I, I guess your cake thing kind of threw me off, but like, that's yeah. where my brain went. I right. was like. So let me just give, yeah. give you some of these, a couple of these benefits that I think answer your question. If not, you can tell me, but I think this. Oh, I'll argue. For yeah. sure. <laughs> so it says clarity, vague commitments, cripple and confuse. You don't know where to go or what to do when you aren't committed. The less committed you are, the more confused you can become. Another one was decisions. Goals enable no or you to say no. Uh, commitments turn shiny objects into distractions. That sounds like a bad thing. Yeah, that's backwards. I think it says no. When you don't have commitments, shiny objects turn into distractions from what you're set at. So See, I'm already criticizing and judging yeah. whoever wrote this because they I'm can't even get their English right. And then uh, fulfillment. Commitment leads to contribution. Contribution produces fulfillment. So, like, I think those three things say, yes, we are limiting some of our choices, but that's not always a bad thing. Like, limiting some of our freedom of choice isn't always inherently wrong. Hmm. I don't know. Why isn't it? Well, maybe it's like a, a tool for focus. It seems to me commitment is a way for people to create an identity, you know, like you know, I am, I'm an exerciser. I'm a husband. I'm a, you know, mm. I'm, I'm a healthy eater, you know, so maybe commitment just as a shortcut tool to figure out or just to say who you are in the world. Yeah. That sounds like it's really tied into ego. Yeah. But maybe some people need that. <laughs> like when you were talking about the marriage example, you know, in a, in a relationship that you describe, like not everybody's capable of doing that to let their wife go be with somebody in Vegas that might crumble their ego. And so the commitment there, the marriage commitment keeps the other spouse from just folding, you know, and cause not everybody's healthy. Like, so but it keeps them in illusion. Doesn't it? I was curious about the woman's take on that, that yeah, marriage um, thing. I'm like, I mean, I guess in an ultimate idealistic enlightened world. Sure. The example you gave is great. Yeah go have fun in Vegas. But so many of us are just still broken and healing. That would be very detrimental not to honor the commitment. 
and it would make things worse. So, I mean, sure, if both parties were doing is, great mental health wise, go for it. And I don't have the information in front of me, so I'm going to totally bitch this up. But I listened to a podcast that a guy that was polyamorous did like he was talking about polyamory and he brought up some of the benefits of monogamous relationships what i'm curious about now is i don't know if that meant monogamous just in general like a couple side flings would be okay <laughs> or if these because he had talked about in raising a family and and those sorts of things like you know there's there's been studies done that show that monogamous relationships when raising families, there's benefits to the kids and things like that with stability and trust. And Who ran these studies? The that guy that like some gave bullshit. the information was a polyamorist. So he's the one you, that, but that doesn't mean. I mean, who would, who would go out and seek to prove that monogamous relationships were beneficial for kids except – the like, Catholics. Right. <laughs> Except people who wanted monogamous relationships yeah. to be the norm. Like, of course, that's who's going to publish those studies. Like, nobody else would run that research. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, or whether it was even possible <laughs> to do studies, how limited your studies would be on right. places that had multiple Right, like a more parents. communal living or yeah. something. Yeah. I, I, to me, I'm going to throw that research out even without knowing about it because that sounds like <laughs> bullshit. No, you just throw it out. I, well, yeah, it doesn't but, And again, I don't, I, I wasn't prepared to discuss the monogamy yeah monogamy at the what moment if, <laughs> what if that guy was actually he just never had sex with two people at the same time so he was monogamous in any single encounter he had so <laughs> well what i can say for myself back to like commitment and even monogamy is at times in my life where i you know, early in my life when I was using, I would say I would do all kinds of shit because that was the type of person I was. I wanted to help people. I wanted to be kind. I think that was my nature. But because I wouldn't show up or couldn't show up or didn't show up and I didn't have this value on commitment, I would tell you, oh, yeah, Jason, I'll be over Saturday to help you move. And then when Saturday came, eh. I might come help you move. I might not. If something better came along, I was going to do that other thing. Right. And I might not even fucking call you and tell you that I yeah. wasn't coming. I would just not show up. And then I'd be like, oh, well, something else came up. Sorry, fucking get over it. That made me feel like a bad person. Like I didn't like living that way because I was not, you know, I didn't follow through when I said I was going to do something. It didn't mean shit. You know, now I like to think that I am a person that follows through on what I say. And when I don't, I still feel bad. Like I realize like there is some value as a human to if I tell Jenny, I'm going to show up to do something for you. That means something that has value to it. And I agree with that. But <laughs> <laughs> so say I told Jenny, I was going to show up to help her move. And then some other opportunity presented itself. That was, you know, I'm not saying some other funner opportunity because probably anything would be funnier, funner than helping Jenny move, right? <laughs> Just sitting in the fucking home would be way better. Oh, hey, my buddy called. We're going to go get donuts. Sorry, Jenny. I can't make it. But there's plenty of things that could pop up that would have that same date that would make me back out of that commitment. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. Not a whole lot. I mean, there's always going to be that little piece that's like, ah, that sucks. I hope Jenny work, Jenny's moving works out okay. But like if one of my kids gets an opportunity to go see something that's like, I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but you know, it doesn't come along every day or something pops up for me, I might change my mind. And that's where I think like this idea of commitment is a little too much. Like it's, 
I should not be so committed to helping Jenny move that it restricts my action when I get offered to, you know, oh my God, I just got this fucking award and I'm supposed to go accept it at a ceremony in New York that day or something. Like, no, I should not be that fucking committed. That's crazy. It should not restrict my action of doing something just because it came along afterwards. Well, I don't think restrict means eliminate. I mean, it's not like you never get another choice. Restrict just means narrows down what you're getting. I mean, if we're getting strictly into the definition part, restrict just means you just narrow down. Like, no, you're not just going to go off to watch butterflies in the fucking park. You're going to show up to help her move. But if something important comes up, you might. So maybe maybe let's not uh, maybe let's not like dwell too long. Maybe on you this would definition. go watch butterflies. <laughs> I love butterflies. In fact, I'm not moving. Let's go watch the butterflies. Right, Jenny, you sure you want to move those butterflies in the park? Come on, girl. Uh, let's let's not get. I guess here's here's the real final thought I had about that. Uh, and you guys are welcome to have a final thought after me. I don't need the last word. Um, but I I do have some other stuff to talk about. But when I think of commitment, I have always thought positive thing, good thing, healthy thing, right? That's what came to mind. That kind of sensation. Commitment is good, right? And to read obligation that restricts freedom of action. If I just came to you and said, hey, Billy, uh, do you feel positive or negative towards an obligation that restricts freedom of action? Like, I think, especially as an American, you're going to be like, restricts freedom? Fuck that <laughs> bullshit. That's a terrible concept. And that's what fascinated me, was the definition seemed to have this negative connotation of restrict freedom of action, which sounds awful. It sounds like a fucking straitjacket or a prison cell, whereas the idea of commitment is always, I've thought of it as a highlight. And so I was like, wow, that blows my fucking mind. But I guess I don't hear those words as restrict freedom of action as, I mean, obviously it doesn't sound like, yay, that sounds great, mm -hmm. but that's not a bad thing for me. I don't think that's a bad thing. For Let's me. tie him up after the episode and restrict his freedom of action for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, so then I go back to, I'm trying to think of things in my life that I have a commitment to. Might be my home group. You know what I mean? My recovery home group that I show up to every week. I don't always want to fucking go there. I have other shit I'd rather be doing. There's stuff around the house that needs done. Something with, I'd rather fucking sit home and watch TV than go there, you know, but I've made a commitment to show up there. So I show up there. Not every week. Obviously it was on vacation. Couldn't go. Don't feel bad about that. My son had a baseball game last, you know, mine's on Wednesday. I couldn't go. I let him know, Hey, won't be there. Son's got a baseball game. So, you know, it's not that I am a hundred percent committed, never miss no matter what. But that's what I do, you know, now it's on Wednesday nights. That's what I do on Wednesday nights unless, you know, something of higher value in my life comes up. But that doesn't mean I'm going to sit home and watch fucking TV. And and I think that's beautiful. And I do. I get it. I get that there's like this positive piece of, you know, what being committed can do. Um, I feel like I'm committed to my job and I show up every day, but I don't think of it as commitment. I wake up and I do the thing that's right for me. Like I'm committed to the idea of doing what's right for me whenever. So that like, it just happens to be that that works out. That, that means I'm committed to my job because I like showing up there. But I guess that example for me is almost perfect because from watching you over time before you changed home groups to this Wednesday group, I felt like you struggled for like, quite a long time with your your old home group about the attendance or about 
if it was recovery oriented enough at times, like I feel like you always felt like there was some benefit to it because you really liked the guys and there was a good, you know, closeness between you and a bond. But I did feel like I watched you struggle because you were committed to that home group. Whereas if you weren't so strongly committed, you could have much easily, much more easily just have switched home groups a long time before you did. Right. But the error was in what I was committed to, not the action of commitment. Mm -hmm. So what I was committed to was my friendships there and my history there. I wasn't committed to the quality of recovery that was there. And so I had to reassess, you know what I mean? All right, so I'm committed to, let's be honest, I was committed to some friendships and you know, just liking hanging out with those guys and then a history. And those are, they're not, they're not nothing. You know what I mean? They carry some value, but should that carry more value than the quality of recovery that I'm going to get, which is really should be why I'm going there in the first place. (laughs) And I think once I was able to make that decision, like, oh, what I need to be committing to is my recovery, not hanging out with some buddies on a Thursday night, because that's what I've done for 20 years. So commitment's only as good as, as long as it's beneficial. Like as soon as it's no longer beneficial, then commitment's over, you know? So I'm just going to say what Jason wants to say, and is commitment even real? You know, like it just, <laughs> that was on the tip of your tongue, right? I, I mean, it wasn't exactly, but I, I it's like this. So when Billy just described that, what I thought of is he did exactly what I do, which is he's committed to what's best for him in any given moment. But I don't feel like that's how commitment, I don't want to say was taught to me because I don't know that anybody actually taught me commitment, but the idea I gather from commitment when I got in the rooms and people started saying that word, the connotation that I have to that is that I need to be obligated to this thing, whatever it is that I decide on. And that makes it really hard for me to change it. Like, uh, you know, and what they even say, like, what works for you in one part of your recovery doesn't work in another part and all these good things. But, like, I feel like the idea of commitment makes me hang on to things too long because I feel this sense of I need to be doing this because I committed to it. Like, and maybe I just need to reevaluate what I think about committing to things and be more committed to me. Right. And I was thinking about with the, the spiritual principles and your thing of you know, what we've been going through with all these spiritual principles. And I guess the way that I understand them a little differently is these are all like tools that I sort of learn about and then decide whether it's useful in my life or not. Mm -hmm. And if it is useful in my life, then how do I practice it in place of me just doing what the fuck I want when I want? Because my understanding of me as an addict is that when I just do what the fuck I want when I want, doesn't usually turn out well for my life. I don't know. Every time I do what I want, when I want, I learn and grow. (laughs) I think people like us kind of, well, maybe the people like us, the alcoholics and addicts, you know, we need commitment. We need that word or that concept, the principle, because we were committed to our drug or alcohol. You know, we, is, is commitment addiction? And then we have to commit to this new way of living because we, you know, we finally figured out the drugs and alcohol were not beneficial, you know, whatever reason, health money legal and then we had to like recommit to something else and then i guess when we find out like in your case you switched meetings up or some people leave meetings altogether you know like how do you that's like you're not committed to anything or you're just committed to you like 
uh, it, it's definitely a principle I think addicts need because what I'm thinking is, is we are committed to the drugs and alcohol and then we got to commit to something else before we can really be free. I think it ties into the ego. <laughs> kind of like stuff. the pendulum swinging from one side to the other. It's like when you're so far one way, the pendulum almost has to swing <laughs> to the opposite extreme for a while before it can come back and settle towards the middle. Yeah. yeah or before you can like break free and just that little ball flies into space. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Balls it's flying in space. A little different, <laughs> but the, I like the pendulum analogy of like I read a thing that says, you know, commitment and obsession are cousins. And like when I read that, I immediately thought of, you know, what I've learned in the sixth step is that, you know, our our defects are assets that are overblown. So mm-hmm. like commitment is an asset. And then if we let that go into obsession, it becomes a defect. And like with addiction, like that was definitely an obsession that wasn't just a, like I was fucking more than committed. You know, right. like, uh, I was committed without you were definitely no freedom of choice. Yeah, yeah I was captain. going down with this ship. To the wrong things. Um, and I can do that still in my life if I'm not real careful. Let that obsession take over and put me into really dangerous waters on healthy things that I should be committed to. I feel like the two takeaways, it's not so much that I don't think these spiritual principles exist exactly. The two takeaways I've had from every spiritual principle episode so far is one, the idea I used to have that these principles are supposed to be done 100% all the time Absolute, yeah. is fucking distorted. And I'm probably looking for this middle path, more like Buddhism says. And the other aspect I take out of it is that, like, I don't actually know how to help anyone practice these. And I've really questioned if they're not just attributes that we have from our life that we have to certain levels, all of us, you know, whether that's 1% or 99%, and we just have it or we don't. And not that it can't adjust over time through our life experience, but I don't know that there's any like surefire way to like, hold it against people or myself for having it or not having it at any given moment. I don't know that there's like, I'm going to go home and practice commitment today and I'm going to get better at it. Like, I don't think it that fucking exists. I think we just have a level. So um, from the doctor's perspective, what about, okay, I might get the wrong chemical. Dr. Bill? Uh, no, <laughs> you're the doctor in the room. Um, so when moms have a baby, is it oxytocin? Help me out. Yes. Okay. So the bonding hormone. The, yeah. So does that, is there like chemicals in the body that help commitment? When moms have a baby or make a baby, they're doing oxytocin. Okay. So uh, like, sorry, could that be like a, <laughs> is that like a commitment chemical? Like do, can people have more oxytocin to encourage commitment or any other hormone or anything? I mean, it sounds feasible. I have no idea. Like the commitment chemical. I didn't read about any of that. The one thing I did read, uh, Dr. Heidi Reeder did a book. She wrote a book, Commit to Win. And she came up with a formula of what commitment, like level of commitment. So here's the formula. The treasures minus the troubles plus contributions minus choices equals levels of commitment. Thank you, Michelangelo. Yeah, (laughs) but she does actually explain it. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, 
harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring, please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the first element is what she calls treasures. Treasures are rewards. They're either internal or external. So importantly, these awards must go to the self. Others can benefit, but the strongest goals we have and commitment we have are when we see the value for ourselves. So that's the treasures piece. Then you have to subtract from treasures the troubles. Troubles will always come up during commitments. Uh, commitment In order for commitment to proceed, treasures need to outnumber troubles five to one and this can be daunting since negative events are more likely to affect us than positive i am not committed to math the third (laughs) is the contributions setting a goal is not enough you have to put something on the line in order for a goal or commitment to be valuable so continued contributions like time money telling others makes it more difficult to leave your commitment because you've already invested Hmm. and then there's the choices The more choices you have as alternatives to the commitment, the weaker the commitment will be. So if you can reduce the choices, either real or projected, you increase the commitment. So if you take all that together, there's got to be five times the reward for yourself as there is the negative parts of it, you know, of committing to it. So there's got to be five five times the benefit of not eating cake as there is to the joy of the sugary taste. (laughs) Then you got to you know, factor in how many times have I posted the status on Facebook about my, my gym gains and my diet gains, <laughs> right. right? How many people have I told? And then there's got to be a limited number of choices. Like you can't have every dessert and ex- you can't walk into the bakery on Sunday morning with all the great fucking danishes, right? You got to, you know, go somewhere where there's maybe a donut and it's a plain donut. And you're like, yeah, whatever. That's right. a stupid donut anyway. So for her, there's a formula for this and, and it's, it plays out like she's done the research. She didn't just make this shit up. And and to me, that says that this isn't really something we can kind of gain. I mean, we can sort of impact these things. Like I can tell a lot of people I'm going to quit vaping if that's what I want to do. That maybe increases. I can. But that requires so options. much self-awareness. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of self-awareness in there. That, Which is probably why when people know. come in, we just jump into, yeah, I'm committed to any. All right. Or when I go home from work, like, ah, oh, TV or go to the meeting. Fuck. I'm not, like, trying to figure out, all right, what are the benefits and what are the... I'm like, nah, I'm just going to fucking fuck TV. Well, and like, here's... So she went on further, right? There's a mysterious part of commitment that we have not figured out yet. She said that formula only accounts for 66% of what goes on during commitment. Uh, She's tried to look at like grit and self-confidence and continues to test other components to see what fully explains why commitment is possible. But I I thought that was pretty fascinating just to take on it. Yeah, I do like that formula. There's at least something of substance there that we're measuring. But again, for me, that 
and maybe that's just the way I read that information, that sounds like, oh, this isn't a thing that we actually practice necessarily or get better at. This is a thing that if you took the information of someone's life, you could tell how committed they were going to be to something. It's not actually like some inner. <sighs> oh, see, I took that different. I guess when I heard that, I thought you were talking about how you decide whether you should commit to something or not. Oh, no, this is this tells you the level of commitment. That equation gives you 66 percent of the level of commitment that a person will have in any given situation. If you like factor in these pieces, that's what you'll find is how long they're going to stay oh, committed that's to it. Too, I mean, I don't want to say it's ridiculous, but how do you, you know, the value of what I put on watching a documentary that's on TV is going to be different than the value that you put on. Well, it is, yeah, absolutely. And how would you figure out how to rate that in your positive negative list of five to one ratio <laughs> well i think that's probably based on self-reporting right? right like well if i say going to see this movie is is a nine and you say it's a two well that tells us the level right. of influence it is or for, i didn't even think about the movie that was out if i knew it was out i might have went but right. i didn't know so i didn't make that choice. or i saw <laughs> I guess this movie the because there was five other in, movies yeah. that i never heard but about. anyway yeah so it's i don't know but it, it's interesting yeah. it made it a little more tangible for me right. that, it, that okay there is a level of this commitment that but, you can measure or look at yeah but you can't you can't do a lot to change it so here's the way i look at that when you said you know we can't I guess I think we can grow these ideas in ourselves or, or grow these principles or, or practice them. Um, I mean, I've always said, like, I believe spiritual principles are like a sport or anything else. Like, I learn about them and I investigate them and I read and I write and I talk about them. And then I, you know, figure out how to practice them in my life. And when opportunities come up, I do those things and I see what happens, what the results are. Um, for me in recovery, I didn't necessarily know that I was terrible at commitments until I did like a fifth and a sixth step and went over, you know, my history and that I was this kind of person and I didn't like the way that it made me feel. And then I learned, hey, this is a practice of commitment. When you are a person that practices commitment, you show up when the fuck you say you're going to do something. In other words, don't say you're going to do something unless you plan on following through with it. Like that's an important concept to learn. I always wanted to do that. I mean, my intention when I told you I was going to show up to help you was not to be like, I'm probably not coming, but that's the way that I lived. Like I wasn't in alignment with the way that I wanted to be. I wasn't practicing what I wanted to do. And so recovery helped me just to point that out, to make that connection, and then to understand like, oh, what commitment is, is showing up when you say you're going to show up for something, doing what you say you're going to do, being where you say you're going to be. Pretty simple. That's what I try to do. Now, I'm not perfect at it. I still mess up and I don't show up for things. And, you know, I have missed my home group to watch TV. That's happened. You know, like that's happened, too. But like now I know like when that happens and I don't feel good about it, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's because I wasn't practicing this thing that I said I was going to do. I don't need to necessarily put the commitment label on it, but it's like I said I was going to do this thing and I didn't do it. And now I have this bad feeling. I guess what I'm trying to deduce from what you just said is like what actually changed in the moment before you felt like you could be committed and show up for things to the moment after. Like nothing actually changed except 
Oh, education and self-awareness. Well, you were made aware that the, you know, going back to that equation, like the treasure of showing up was more valuable than you realized. Like you didn't know that not showing up was hurting you. And when you did these steps that you're describing or whatever, like you were made aware, oh shit, I've been putting a, a two value on showing up because that's what I thought it meant. But now I'm realizing like, shit, that's like, that holds a nine. That's really important to right. me. Like it hurts me when I don't. So you really just changed the the level of like value you put on these different things, but it's not, I don't know. Like did anything else really change besides that? Well, the thing is, is as long as it's beneficial, commitment's good, but the situation always changes. Nothing stays the same. So commitment will, will definitely change too, you know, because, you know, you make, you make a commitment when something's set a certain way, but everything changes always. So then it's really, there's no value to committing because it's going to change and maybe it'll still say beneficial, but you know, maybe if it changes, if it changes for the worse, the commitment's over. Yeah. Is there like a Buddhist concept of commitment or how they use commitment? Oh uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't look that up. I mean, you commit to the to the the eightfold path. I should have looked that up before I came. <laughs> but you know, when you were talking about the spiritual principles, it did make me think of the eightfold path in that it's not that you master each factor of the path one after the other. You kind of work them all together. And that's how I see these spiritual principles working too, is, you know, commitment works when you commit to the, you know, like you commit to the spiritual principle of trust or one of the other spiritual principles we talked about like honesty yeah honesty and you know like Love. they they work like as a woven system right. not like individual right. yeah and that's how the eightfold path operates but like for me I, I mean commitment's important for like me specifically because like let's take the gym like i don't like working out i don't i hate it and i get up early and i go but i have been educated enough to know like it helps i have high anxiety you know what i mean i have a lot of stress a lot of physical you know i know i carry it physically i had a lot of physical ailments i started working out a couple of years ago and a lot of that i could feel it go down in my life you know i got health benefits all this stuff so i know it's beneficial but i still hate it if i wasn't like committed to that routine of getting up every morning and going i wouldn't go and in fact the last couple of days of the week i've been obsessing about this house project and let that take priority and now i'm feeling some of the effects of negating my commitment <laughs> like it's like i was committed to that until some brighter shinier thing came along that's not even fucking healthy for me but that distracted me mm -hmm. and took me off my committed path and now i feel like i'm suffering you know we had talked this morning suffering a lot of anxiety and shit this morning over some nonsense, silly stuff that shouldn't be causing me all this anxiety, but it's like oh, my heart's racing and I'm, my head's going a million miles an hour. And I'm like, oh, you could need this coffee. be related to, you know, I didn't go do my exercise and shit in the morning like all last week. Like, could that be why I'm like, oh, yeah, because I was committed to that until something else distracted me. There's always so much self-shame when we put judgments on what we shouldn't be reacting to instead of just allowing ourselves to have a reaction. It's like, oh, this thing is so stupid and minuscule. Why do I yeah. have this dumbass big reaction to it? Yeah. It's like, you have a reaction. It's okay. Uh, thinking about the Buddhism thing, uh, I, I mean, 
to me, Buddhists are committed to the idea of like meditation, not being <laughs> caught up in the illusion of the world and finding enlightenment. Like that's the commitment to finding a true relationship with what is real, which is nothing to some extent. Like, isn't that the commitment? I, yes. And I, I think there's more like, right. like Billy shouted out meditation. That's definitely part of Buddhist. Like that's something they think practices. you should do regularly to right? pretty much. But to seek the yeah. outcome of the actual commitment. I mean, if meditation wasn't getting you there, they would switch it up and do something else. Like it's, it's not right, about. But I don't think they, and I could be wrong, but isn't it like even the Buddhist still meditated? Like even though he was enlightened or does he yeah. never need to meditate? <laughs> well, I think, I, I think he continued to meditate. Yeah. I think the meditation is to take away the distraction that keeps us from finding the truth or the enlightenment or whatever it is. But so you have to, to be committed to that? Do you think they yeah, want to meditate every time? Hone, it's like mental training. It's, uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's like exercising your brain. So uh, this kind of, there's another thing I read about behavioral economics. And it says commitments are often used as a tool to counteract people's lack of willpower and to achieve behavior change, such as in the areas of dieting or saving. That's me. The greater the cost of breaking a commitment, the more effective it is, which was from research in 2010. From the perspective of social psychology, individuals are motivated to maintain a consistent and positive self-image, which is from research from 2008. They are likely to keep commitments to avoid reputational damage if done publicly and or cognitive dissonance, dissonance, which is when you think you're a certain way, but don't want to find out you aren't. Uh, and it said a field experiment in a hotel for example found 25% greater towel reuse among guests who made a commitment to reuse towels at check-in and wore a quote friend of the earth end quote lapel pin to signal their commitment during their stay so they did this research (laughs) signaling in in 2012 (laughs) they did this research right the behavior change technique of goal setting is related to making commitments while reciprocity involves an implicit commitment. But the, the, the point was they took these people, they put them in a hotel, they asked them to reuse the towels to save the environment. And the people who agreed to this and wore the lapel pin were 25% more likely to be committed to that idea and actually do it. Hmm. So it's more, this talks about commitment ends up being more about how we look. It's about <laughs> reputational damage. Yeah. Commitment as an identity yeah. thing. Which, uh, I guess for me, as a guy who's really trying to explore this world of, like, fuck all that stupid shit, like, that even pits me yeah, more against I commitment. See, I, I think that's just, a, that was a bad example because the lapel pin thing. Like, I, I think they were just using that as an example of how they, once people made this commitment that they followed through, but that was a shit. I saved the earth by not yeah. reusing my towel. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think it kind of does explain some of why we do this commitment thing it's about how we look it's about egos it's about yeah shame public shaming shame guilt like yeah but i think shame is just like the spiritual principles like shame isn't always a bad thing like it's obviously we shouldn't shame other people but shame as a feeling that i feel is an indicator that i need to take a look at something now whether that shame is has any value or not is different you know, but shame, like a negative feeling doesn't mean I shouldn't ever have it or it I should disagree. go away. It's like pain, like pain is an indicator that I need to change something, you know, shame, guilt, 
those things, I mean, they're negative things, but I should probably feel them at times. There are times I, they're of benefit. Maybe guilt you should have, but shame you should not. Because isn't shame the one that says, I am like, bad. I am bad. Okay, yeah. So guilt, guilt is like, oh, I did bad, but shame is I am bad. So maybe, yeah. maybe if guilt is more kids, like pain. I should be ashamed of that. What, what happened? If I abuse my kids, mm-hmm. if False. I go out and punch an old lady in the face because she's in my way, doesn't I should be ashamed of that. But <laughs> like, should, doesn't it start with guilt? Like it starts with guilt. Like guilt is the seed and shame is like the personality. Or Shame um, comes from other people. Oh, okay. Is shame a feeling? From other people. It's your perception of how other people will interpret what you've done. You but don't, you, I don't. I think I don't you feel think shame without other bad. people. But, Bill, you should definitely feel guilty about punching that old lady. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, Was she asking for it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. no, think about it. Like, kids, kids have guilt when they feel bad about what they've done wrong, but they don't have shame until they interact with society or adults. That's when shame takes place, when you tell them they've done something wrong, when you talk to them with a certain tone of voice, when you look at them in a certain way. That's when shame takes over. Yeah, but I, and I guess I'm just playing around with this idea because it'll get way off but if a kid is out in public making fun of another kid with a disability they don't necessarily know that that's bad or wrong they think it's funny that that person walks funny or looks funny or talks funny or is missing a leg and they might make jokes about it but isn't it important for us to say hey that's really not the way that you want to be that's wrong you shouldn't be doing that like isn't that healthy that yeah that sounds like good not that sounds like good old-fashioned parental guidance Right. And are um, we shaming the kid and telling them, you think this is funny, but it's wrong and you should not think that that's funny? If you separate. So if you have a kid and the kid with a disability is separate from them, off in a distance, there is a possibility that there's something innately humorous about the difference they see in that. But without the perception that theirs is right, kids sometimes prefer and envy the person with the disability like the guy like if a kid sees another kid in a wheelchair he's like man why don't i have a wheelchair that looks awesome i want to roll around that looks really cool so the the mocking or putting down of another person comes more from group think like if you have five kids together that are all you know normally abled or typically abled they might mock a dis- someone with a disability but a kid put in a room with another kid with a disability is not going to innately just want to put him down or think he's less than that's not how that works we don't get that until we get into society well, i'm talking about just the real application of a kid making fun of another i don't know where it comes from where it comes from i don't know that we have that well if we shifted our values as a society we would never do that i'm yeah, but that's not where we are. What I'm talking about is, you know, how do I fix a kid that's making fun of another kid well, shame, you know, without shaming them? Isn't it? Shaming. Yeah. Shaming them isn't the way to if, modify behavior. And I follow you, Billy. Like, how would a parent communicate that with love, not with shame? You know, like communicate the lesson without making the well, bully feel like crap. If I want to live in a community full of people, isn't it important that we have some shared common values and morals and beliefs? And if I just chuck them out the window because I feel like doing something different, isn't that dangerous? Like, isn't that the whole point of living in a community of people? Tell me this. I just do what's best for me in any given moment. What I think is the right thing for me to do. Right. I tried. We expressed this. We talked about it a little bit in the 
the death episode or the dark side episode, I think. No, it was the dark side episode. Um, would you not want me as your neighbor? Or do you think I'd be a great neighbor? That depends on if you feel like what you would do, like my values and feeling. Now, I know you personally, me? but what right. I'm, yeah, I know you personally. So I would say that would be fine. But for <laughs> another person who I don't know, Maybe their values are, well, you have a fucking lawnmower and I need to cut my grass. And so I'm just going to take your lawnmower. I mean, I, I don't know that that's that person's values or morals because I don't know them independently. But I should be able to go tell them, this is my lawnmower. It's not okay for you to come take my stuff. You know what I mean? Like mm, Stuff. Just Billy owns stuff. Well, if they, I mean, it's different if they asked, if they Listen, wanted I to steal borrow my, car, my, stuff. my stuff. Too. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, again, I, if you come ask me and talk to me, hey, I'm, you know, or, oh, I like your yard. So I'm just going to come hang out in your yard and have my neighbors over and we're going to hang out in your yard and have a party. Like, I don't know that I would be OK with that if I got home from work and there's 10 people in my yard having a party. I would choose you as a neighbor because it's con it would be consistent. So if you like laid out your principle, this is how I operate. I'm like, cool. Now I know how you operate. I'm going to put up a fence and you can't come to my house. I mean, not that I think you would steal, but well, I, I think I like it's, consistency. So behavior is motivated. And, and we do kind of talk about this in recovery, though not enough, I think. Behavior comes from one of two places, love or fear, period. Like everything at its core comes from one yeah, of those motivations. Okay, yeah. Where you're coming from with worried about how people will turn out if we don't have shame, if we don't have these community values, if we don't have that's coming from fear. It's the fear of what might go wrong if you let people do what they want to do. And my version is probably also at a different extreme coming from this place of love, which maybe is, is delusional in our society. Maybe it is, right? But I tend to think, because it worked for me, if we just let everybody do what the fuck they want to do and think that that's what's best for them and don't hate it all the time or shame them, they'll all end up at the place I ended up, which is most of my actions are pretty good for most people around me, too. I don't know. I just tend to believe that. Like, I think that's where we come to when we stop shaming and guilting ourselves. Yeah, into but all we don't these live actions. in an ideal world. You know what I mean? We don't live in that place that you're talking about. Well, we live in a I world here, now though? that, you know, w where I think some and again, it's debatable which ones, but some of the values that we share as a community should be important and should be upheld and do have some value to everyone. And people that are just ignoring those, I think there's value in pointing out to them like you should not fucking be doing this for these reasons. You can give them all the reasons, I guess, for me. You know, again, if we're using shame to like hurt and abuse and whatever people, that's different. But negative feelings or negative thoughts about myself aren't always bad. So this always makes me question, and I get it, you know, we operate better in groups of 150 or less. Like we know this. We don't operate well in groups of large amounts of people because in order to do that, we have to believe in myth which is a thing. But if you look at the society of the United States that has more people incarcerated than mostly anywhere else in the world, right? And laws still get broken all the time and people still cheat on every fucking law they can at every p moment possible. Not everybody, but a lot of this goes on. And then you look at like the community in, in Africa where when somebody does something that hurts others, they stand in a circle around them and just remind them of a time when they did something loving together or they did a nice thing for someone else in the community and they don't have anybody locked the fuck up. Then I ask, well, which way works? 
Is it the shaming community values and the law and order we're doing here? Or is it loving people and just accepting that they're going to be good people and believing in that? Well, again, I don't think we should shame people. That's There's a difference. Didn't you just say that like five minutes ago? No, I said there is value in this principle or concept of shame. The value There's there value is. in not adhering to the social norms or standards of other people around you. When it comes to like, I should not just be able to go around and do whatever I want whenever I want because I want to. I just don't think that's how people should live. Well, but I guess the only way you enforce unless that, I want to go out to the woods and live by myself. And but I guess know. the way I, I think that's a very American or United Statesian way of thinking. But I, I just haven't seen it work. It ain't working in our society. So maybe we need to switch to some other method that might do something different. I guess is where I'm getting at. I feel like we're going there. We're getting there, but it's just. Well, we're committed. We're committed to law and order and locking people up. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We don't want to let go of that. I feel like we're getting there, but yeah, I mean, like there's that, that, that yucky transition in between, like similarly in America, like we're trying to go to like green energy, but now gas prices are through the roof and you know, we just, we're just not there yet. We haven't committed to green energy and we still have to pay for gasoline. I just feel like, you know, we, we want to be somewhere in the future, but it takes a lot more time than people are budgeting for. And same with our spiritual systems. Like, you know, of course we want to be, you know, where you're at, like no shaming, but we can't go from the 1900s style of parenting to the future of parenting. You know why we can't? Because people don't believe in it. Because commitment. Because commitment. All right, that's committed the show, folks. To, yeah. Thanks. There's a lot of people still committed to these old ideas yeah. or this nostalgic. Mm-hmm. We've done nostalgia episode two. This nostalgic <laughs> representation of what they think these old ideals mm-hmm. actually did, and I, I think that's what holds up progress. Yeah, and I don't, I don't disagree with the whole criminal systems all fucked up and the way that we're doing. Like all that, I hundred percent agree with. I'm just talking about the overall. Like to me personally, when I feel shame. I can take lessons from that and learn something from that. It's not always can we this call it guilt? horrible thing. Well, can you feel guilt or is it shame? I, maybe I'm mixing up the two words. Maybe that's I the guess problem. What but. I'm looking at is like when you learned the value, like you didn't realize before doing some of these steps that it meant something to you to show up to things. You did not have the association of I'm not showing up for these things and I feel like shit about myself. Like that didn't exist for you. And then the steps helped you become aware of that. And then you change behavior. So I'm wondering if there's not a similar thing that's going on with like, you're believing in this idea of I should feel shame about these things. And I I should, you know, that's going to help me correct it. But if that's not causing some other side effect that you're not aware of as associated yet, possibly high anxiety, right? Where you're like worried about these things and how people will view you and how you'll view it and this, that, and the other. Whereas if you make that association one day you'll say oh shit well why the fuck do i feel like i i don't ever want to think of myself as a bad person because that comes with all these consequences that i didn't even realize now i can just correct my behavior or do something different and not feel all that shit that's associated with it. yeah and i just was sitting here laughing at myself because i'm was raised Catholic in Catholic school from a really young age. So shame is like a part of your identity in the Catholic. <laughs> so, so that could be pretty heavily ingrained in my psyche. <laughs> so uh, one thing that I, I had written down just as some side notes for me, um, 
about this episode, I think we've already kind of explored it. The idea that we change commitment. We can be all in on a relationship or a job, and that doesn't mean we're stuck forever. So to me, that's almost like questioning of, well, what the fuck is commitment? Except a momentary idea that I'm doing one thing. Like it really, does it really mean anything? I mean, if you can change it at any time and be committed to some new thing, then is commitment really anything at all? That's what I was thinking, because the situation always changes. So you're committed in the moment, but moments pass. I'm committed to doing this podcast, but if all our equipment gets stolen this week, am I going to be just as committed to rebuy it all and do it again in two weeks? I don't know. I would have to go back to that first definition. I mean, again, I don't know that anything's 100% all the time. I think commitment and again for me most of these spiritual principles they're they're not ideas they're not thoughts they're principles that i try to practice you know what i mean it's a thing that i use like a tool so you know is it i guess i'm always looking for opera is this the right tool to use in this situation maybe it's not you know maybe so it's not always everywhere i guess but just what does it mean like, okay, you've been totally, uh, God, sorry, Jen, I don't mean to paint you in this light for a second, <laughs> but just imaginary Jen in Bizarro World. Say you leave here today, you've been committed to your marriage for all these years, you leave here today, you find out Jen's been messing with other guys for 20 years and, you know, poisoning your children. Your commitment is going to instantly change. Like, you're going to have some different takes on all that, and I guess it's like, if it can change at any moment, then what the... To me, the idea of commitment was always this like long-term agreement to something, right? In some mm-hmm. sense. And so for it to be just as changeable as any other decision I make, I just almost don't see the point of fucking calling it commitment. Like it's it's just as subject to change as anything else I'm doing right this second. Is there like a half commitment word? Like some word out there that's like <laughs> Com- commit. Yeah. yeah. It's half commitment. It's commit. But, and I guess in that scenario I would say like I upheld this value or principle that was important to me and obviously it can change, but that's like learning something wrong. Like I just realized but I feel someone like that, duped me or someone was dishonest. I like, mean, you're probably committed. Well, you're probably not that committed to driving the speed limit, but you're probably committed <laughs> to trying to drive pretty safely. But yeah. like, say you got a call that you kid was in the hospital you'd probably drive a little more erratically and and not pay attention to that commitment so much you'd want to get there as quick as like if it's just as changeable from situation to situation then what the fuck is it really it's but I just what you're doing that commitment yeah well that's it's just, just it if it's hmm. if it is something that's just what i'm doing that's different that's not commitment well, but, so like for me like something like the gym becomes commitment because that's something that i don't always want to do like i wake up in the morning and it's not necessarily my first choice and if you ask me what i want to do it's probably going to be something else but, but i made this decision that i'm gonna what's that the gym is just what you're doing this week, it was not what you're doing. Right, but like, putting this label of a commitment on it helps it. It gives it some sort it. of conga. It does for me, you know? <laughs> I think I think maybe commitment is the label. Like, so you can commit, like, I'm an exerciser because it helps with my body and anxiety. You know, like, I, th- I think it helps. I think commitment, it just helps you form your identity. And I guess maybe I mean, that's you make ego. commitments. Every time you schedule an appointment with a client, that is a commitment, which means that has some value to you to be where you say you're going to be when you say you're going to be there. And I've in canceled that what I needed to. Right. And so it's not 100%, but that means you're probably going to be there m- most of the time. I like it's 
Right. But for me, it's the same concept of like people have asked me to make promises and I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years now, I refuse to make a promise. I will not say the word I promise you this because to me, that makes everything else that comes out of my mouth bullshit. No, every word I say is meaningful to me. If I tell you I'll be there, I'll, I will do my best to be there. I don't need to promise it in order for it to have some bigger connotation. I think promises in general are stupid. Same about this idea of commitment. Like, if, yeah, I scheduled you at this time. I plan to be there. I don't, I don't need to make it or call it a commitment when it's no different than any other decision I make to do anything. It's that's the same were, thing. That's why you were so chill when that person canceled. You're like, eh. Yeah, <laughs> you rolled and I was all like, I was all upset. I'm like, I can't believe they committed to being here. And yeah. you were all like, both of you were cool about it. They did what was best for them. I don't mm -hmm. give a shit. But that means you're practicing it. You just don't want to put that label on it. No, it means I'm practicing doing whatever is right for me when I do it. That's what, if I'm committed to anything, it's this higher ideal of like, I'm just committed to being my best self. And for me, that means doing what's right for me. Right. But all, there's a whole backstory there of like these appointments with these clients. Like there's nothing better you could be doing with your time in that moment or something else Probably you'd want to do or something, you know, <sighs> a, a attention to your kids that could be paid that might have higher value. You know what I mean? Like Keeping there's your all job. these things. And again, those are, okay. I'm, I'm not saying you have the wrong, but you have made almost like that lady said with those choices like you've weighed all these options of all these things you could be doing should be doing might be doing made a decision somewhere in there that this was important and had some kind of value to it and then decided that this was the best thing so that to me is a commitment you're just not using that word for it well we're we're running a little long but i guess to me it's the same idea of like how is a promise different than me just saying it right what's the difference between making a promise and just saying something it's the same for me of like, what's the difference between making a commitment and just deciding that I did something, like I'm going to do it. Like, it just sounds like a fancy word that's supposed to invoke this bigger meaning, but it doesn't to me. It just well, says the same shit. And it, it, I'll just simplify it by saying, like, for me, it's the difference of saying, I like to exercise, I'm going to go to the gym, or I'm going to go to the gym every day at five o'clock. Like, I've just, I've sort of put a time, put a place, put a stamp made a like a that i've committed to that but you could just say that without making the word commitment in there you could well, just yeah it, but that's what i mean if i say i'm gonna go to the gym every day at five i'm not using the word commitment i don't have to say that's a commitment right so just but that's what it is <laughs> i guess yeah. i guess so uh ways to increase it which you know we're gonna run through these real quick because that's not important anyway <laughs> uh make your goals specific that's really important to increasing your commitment. Like you just said, I'm going to go every day at five to this specific gym, right? Like, and do this kind of workout that makes it more readily available in your head to be committed to it. Make them achievable. Don't say I'm going to go to the gym every day at five. If that's like <laughs> way too fucking much to start, go like three days this week, two days, whatever. Um, write your goals on a piece of paper. And this actually will come up in our next episode about journaling too, about how writing increases things in our brain and uses more of the brain's activity at any given time, handwriting. Um, so if you write them on a piece of paper, that actually has been proven scientifically to make you more yeah. committed, believe huh. it or not. I've heard that too. Present publicly your goals. Share it on Facebook. Talk about it. I know it looks douchey sometimes. Whatever. Do it anyway. Sometimes. Yeah, all the time. Uh, it increases your commitment. Um, and ask yourself the question, do you know what you need to do? So if you're not 
specific and sure about the actual process. Like I'm committed to losing weight, but you don't actually know what it takes or the steps along the way to do that. If you know the steps, you're going to be much more committed because it's much easier. Like I've committed to vague ideas before yeah, and it yeah. does not work. <laughs> right. Um, and I noticeably, this is not how to increase it, but the interesting part of this is like there's ways to manipulate the world around us. When it talked about these ideas of increasing commitment, it was ideas of manipulating things around us or thoughts or ideas, but not actually changing us in any way. Hmm. Like we didn't increase our commitment by changing ourselves. We increased it by, oh, I'm going to set specific goals or I'm going to, you know, uh, set achievable goals or I'm going to write it on a piece of paper. But it wasn't actually anything inside of us that changes so that was fascinating addicts are good at manipulation um, can, can i ask you a real quick question sure. i don't know if you'll have an answer because i don't you but just... is there a difference between goals and commitments like are they can different in any way or uh, i think knows? the commitment is uh if commitment existed which it doesn't um <laughs> more concrete maybe well that would be the the dedication to the process of getting to the goal okay the goal is like the outcome is that gotcha. perseverance? But the commitment is like the dedication to the process, I guess. Oh, okay. I don't know. Any other final yeah. thoughts? Anybody learn anything today? I think we all need to be committed. <laughs> <laughs> to somewhere. <laughs> Some state mental facility, I'm sure. All right. Uh, so go out there. Think about commitment. Does it really have any meaning for you anymore? Uh, and, and share with us your thoughts. And have a great week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. <laughs>